Today on the 1012 Podcast, myself, Chris, and Daniel recap our bowl picks and the whole pick season. Find out who won. Plus, Ben Hazel of Midwest Madness Podcast joins us to talk Big 12 men's basketball. Conference play gets underway on Saturday. And we're going to talk a little West Virginia women's basketball. Fans think they should be righted higher. Should they? We're going to break it down by the numbers. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network. Find every show in the network at 1012network.com. It's T-E-N-1-2, the word network. And we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us this week. Our first episode of 2024. Oh, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be fantastic. How can you not be excited about 2024? The Big 12 is going to add four more programs. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah will be here in July. In fact, the next time the Big 12 takes the field for college football, those four teams will be part of the conference. The conference is going to be wide open. We're going to have more on that next week. Um, I do want to have a few comments about the bowl season. We're going to talk about the bowls here in just a bit. Uh, My good friends, Chris Ross, Daniel Alexander. We're going to recap our bowl picks coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, Very excited about that. I win. Just to give you a little tease. Uh, Also coming up, Ben Hazel, one half of the Midwest Madness podcast, the basketball podcast that is part of the 10-12 network is going to join us. Big 12 men's basketball conference play gets underway Saturday. We've got a little preview of the conference schedule of the conference season. Who do we think is going to win the Big 12? Who's the most underrated team? Whose record is fool's gold? Is BYU for real? Are they legit? They're number three in Ken Palm as of time of recording this on Wednesday. We'll have to see. I'm going to talk about a little bit of women's basketball here in a second. I do want to talk about the bowl season just, just for a minute. I'm not sure how to evaluate the Big 12 in the bowl season this year. Like, it's really easy to sit here and do the whole, like, well, let's see, five and four amongst current Big 12, six and three amongst future Big 12. Well, that's a win, right? Utah lost, Arizona won, Iowa State lost. Of the teams that will be in the Big 12 in football in 2024, six and three. It's it's hard not to kind of look at things and say it was fine. 
Like I'm not going to sit here and knock bowl season. I love bowl season. The pop tart bowl was fantastic. Uh, I, I the the mayo bowl being a Big Twelve bowl for one season, make it permanent, was amazing. Six and three is fine because I don't think there's a single game the Big Twelve won that they weren't expected to, that they weren't supposed to. By kickoff, Oklahoma State was a favorite. Most people thought Arizona could probably beat Oklahoma. West Virginia thought they would win. But you did have her upsets. Like UCF losing to, to Georgia Tech in Florida. Iowa State showing in Memphis or lack thereof. Utah's performance against Northwestern. Like it, it really doesn't reflect what's coming next season. But it does feel a bit like a perfect encapsulation of the season as a whole. It was good. It just could have been better. It could have been a better season. It was a good season. It could have been better. This year's going to be great. I cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait. Um, On bowl games, I, I, I kind of mentioned on Twitter, at 1012 Network, I had some thoughts on the, the perfect bowl lineup. Right, the perfect bowl lineup for the Big 12. I don't have a lot of changes to what they have right now. I like the Liberty Bowl. I get it. The Liberty Bowl, the, the stadium itself is meh. But Beale Street's fun. Not a bad way to spend a day in December. Enjoying yourself before a bowl game. It's better when there's an SEC opponent than playing Memphis, but I get it. The Independence Bowl? Yeah, it can go. Can we get the Mayo Bowl permanently? We know that the Big 12 wants to have a bowl game in Mexico City, and the Vegas Bowl might be available. The Pac-12's no more, so... I know your mark wants a presence in, in Las Vegas. Vegas Bowl makes a lot of sense, but the biggest thing has got to be, like, we got to help figure out some sponsors here. Like, every bowl can't have an edible mascot. But we have got to figure out, and, and I don't know if it's the conferences, if it's ESPN, if it's what. Like, I hope what happened with the Pop-Tart Bowl and the Mayo Bowl spurs more. Again, you don't have to eat every mascot, but but lean into the insanity and the fun. The Potato Bowl has been dumping French fries on people for a while, and the mascot's a giant potato. It's fantastic. We don't give it enough credit. The Cheez-It Bowl replaced... King cheese with just a giant cheese it that's not edible. I was like, yeah, that's fine. I like the mascot that was a weird prince cheese or king cheese, whatever it was. I don't care. They got to lean into this because that's how you're going to fix the bowl season. You're not going to get guys to not opt out. It's not going to happen. So anything where you're like, well, we got to do this to prevent opt-outs. No. Paying players to be in the bowl games is not going to prevent guys from going off to the NFL. That's okay. Let them go. Paying them, I get a few guys extra to stay around. Maybe wait to enter the transfer portal. Bowls should be able to play players. NCAA's got to fix that. Bowl games have got to be more fun. They've got to be more fun. Lean into it. We got good matchups. We did. We also had a lot of fun. Let the bowl games be fun. And finally, honestly, the the the, the after saying which bowls the Big 12 to associate itself with, we need to be done with conference affiliations. Does the bowls pick two good teams? I, Florida State was required to play in the Orange Bowl. Florida State didn't want to play in the Orange Bowl. They should have been able to just opt out and be done. They didn't want to play in that game. Why make them? Why make Florida State go play a game they don't want to be in and put out the performance they did? Was the Orange Bowl great and fun? Also, bring back the giant orange mascot. It's He's missed. Like there's, there are ways to fix bowl season and make it better. It's not less bowls. It's not 
forcing players into anything. It's not, I mean, maybe it's expanding the playoff beyond 12, but that's not going to happen for a while. It's just do some simple things. No more conference affiliations, pay the players, make the bowl games more fun. Make them more entertaining. Bowl season is better. End of story. All right, we are going to talk men's basketball here in a minute, but I, I wanted to talk women's basketball for the Big 12 just for a second, specifically West Virginia. West Virginia fans are upset uh, because they believe that West Virginia is not being fairly rated. I want to start this conversation by saying this. I don't necessarily disagree with West Virginia fans saying that the women's team should be ranked higher. They're undefeated, 13-0 as of Wednesday night. They knocked off Cincinnati. They're number 24 in the country, 13-0. Here's the thing you have to understand about women's basketball. It takes time for voters to change their opinion on teams. The teams at the top have been very consistent. There is more depth in women's basketball than there has ever been. Okay. The talent, there is more talent. There are more good teams, but it is, it's just, it's just a lot of the teams that are good are the teams that are always good. And so it takes a while when it's a women's basketball team to break through. You're going to have to do something even more than a men's side to grab people's attention. And for West Virginia, that's been the problem so far. Yes, they are 13-0, but they haven't beaten anybody. There's no quad system when it comes to the women's basketball net ranking. There's no quad one, two, three, four. That They don't talk about that. They don't use it. I don't know why, but they don't. But I can still take the quad ranking system from the men's side and apply it to the women's. And if you do, here's the problem for West Virginia right now. They're 13 wins. 11 of those are quad three and four. They didn't play their first quad one game until they went to Kansas and won. I said that was a really good game. I had some Big 12 fans, West Virginia fans push back. I don't know why. I was like, no, this is a good win at Kansas. Well, the Rutgers, da, da, da. It was a good win. It still is. It's their first quad one win. Their next best is a home win over Penn State. They're 33 in the net. At Kansas, is 54. Those are, those are two solid wins. Everything else is is net 110 or lower. Actually, 103. Sorry. Cincinnati's 103 at the time of recording this. They'll drop after the loss to West Virginia. West Virginia is going to move up in the rankings. They're going to move up in the rankings. It's just going to take some time. They're going to need a few more wins. They didn't get enough in on-conference, but they are really good, and there are stats to back this up. CBB Analytics, shout out to them. In the Big 12, I don't have it national, just in the Big 12, they have the third best net rating looking at offense and defense in the Big 12 at plus 39. It's a 98 percentile. They have the 92nd percentile offensive ranking, 99th on defense. West Virginia in women's basketball is arguably the best team defensively in the Big 12. They're number one in turnovers. They lead the Big 12 in, t- in t- forcing turnovers, in steals. Steal percentage is about 20%, just over 20%. It's the highest in the Big 12. They're a very good team defensively. Her hoop stats backs that up. Uh, opponent points per 100 possessions. West Virginia is fourth nationally, first in the Big 12, at 71. 71 points per 100 possessions. That's dang good, y'all. It's a good defense. That's going to carry them a long way. Like This is a good West Virginia team. I believe that they should probably be ranked higher, but I understand why they're not. Part of it is just they haven't beaten enough good teams, and part of it is it takes a while with women's basketball to break through. It just does. 
The team in the Big 12, though, that I'm, I've am i circled is like, they're going to win the Big 12 this year. I get Texas. Texas is the best team offensively in the Big 12. Uh, they're number four nationally in points per game, number two nationally in margin per 100 possessions at 45.2 uh, points per 100 possessions. They're third nationally at 119.5. Like Texas offensively is absolutely ridiculous. Their offensive rating is the best in the Big 12, and it's not close. It's not close. Their defensive rating is pretty good. Like Texas is really good. Y'all, Kansas State. Who Kansas State. Who Kansas State. That the, the second best defense in the Big 12, it's Kansas State. Defensive rating on CBB Analytics, it's a 99th percentile, 73. Opponent field goal percentage. Effective field goal percentage, 34.9%. It's the best in the Big 12. It's a 99th percentile. Like, that's that's really good. That's really sinking good. Back to that her hoop stats. I love it. Opponent points per 100 possessions. Kansas State's fifth nationally, second in the Big 12. One spot behind West Virginia at 71.2. I love that. They're so good defensively. Uh, by the way, they, uh, they're they fourth in the country in assists per game at 21. Baylor's number three nationally. Kansas State's fourth nationally. Um, Ioka Lee is incredible. Win share, NCAA win share leaders. Ioka Lee is third nationally behind Caitlin Clark of Iowa and Cameron Brink at Stanford. Caitlin Clark has four win shares. Ioka Lee, 3.1. By the way, on the win shares, shout out to Sedona Prince and Madison Connor TCU. Just an incredible season they're having. Women's basketball in the Big 12 is really, really damn good this season. There's five ranked teams in Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas State, TCU, and Texas. Like, it's really good. It's really good. Ooh, it's, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be an absolutely fun season. Just incredible. Uh, but to West Virginia fans again, I get it. You're not necessarily wrong. I do think that you are right that West Virginia is being underrated. They need a couple wins. They need a win. Like that win that everyone goes, woo, and hang their hat on. It hasn't come yet. It could come Saturday. They play Texas in Morgantown at 1 o'clock God's time on Saturday. That's a big one. That is a huge game. That's their big opportunity. Win that one at home over Texas, you're going up. People will be talking about you. They'll be legit. All right. Uh, do us a favor. Uh, please leave us a rating, five stars if you don't mind. Leave us a review, especially if you listen on Apple, iTunes. We would really appreciate it. It really helps the show out. Don't forget to check out the 1012 Network Patreon. We're going to be getting some more content up there shortly. I've got some ideas, some things we're going to post. Uh, check out every show on the network at 1012network.com. Would greatly appreciate it. Oh, and don't forget to shop Charlie Hustle. You guys know Charlie Hustle, right? You're Big 12 fans. And if you're a Big 12 fan and you don't know who Charlie Hustle is by now, ooh, Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season. Basketball. Soon to be baseball and softball. So be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off your school spirit all season long. They have partnered with the Big 12. They're producing conference championship t-shirts this season. <laughs> there are more conference championships coming. There's going to be more t-shirts. It's going to be incredible. Go to charliehustle.com. Check out the absolutely fantastic collection of Big 12 gear they have. You can go to charliehustle.com and find every school in the Big 12 except for Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati fans, just just tweet at your school and tell them you want to be on Charlie Hustle. Tell them. Tell them you want to be on there. And don't forget to use the promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, for 15% off on all non-sale 
items. We love the stuff they have at Charlie Hustle. We love our partnership with Charlie Hustle. We love how much they love the Big 12. Go support Charlie Hustle. It just, it's the right thing to do. And the stuff's so good, and it's awesome, and it's comfortable. So go to charliehustle.com. Use that promo code 101215, 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. All right, two great uh, interviews. Chris and Daniel, recapping bowl picks. Ben Hazel, previewing Big 12 men's basketball conference play that starts Saturday. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As far as the Big 12 is concerned, the 2023 college football season has wrapped with Texas's loss to Washington in the college football playoff semifinal. And that means that the 10-12 picks season has come to an end as well. Another fantastic season. This is the fourth year now that the three of us, myself, Chris Ross, and Daniel Alexander have made picks. So we're here to recap uh, our bowl picks, um, get some of Daniel's thoughts on how the bowl season went. Of course, as I mentioned, the those two individuals, always a pleasure to have you guys on. I'm very sad that we're about to be in the off season. It always makes me sad when the season comes to an end. Chris, uh, let's start with you. Six and four in bowl games. Hit on Texas Tech minus three. Hit on Kansas minus 12 and a half. Hit on West Virginia minus five and a half. Hit on Kansas State minus three. Arizona minus three. And hit on the over 57 and a half in Memphis, Iowa State. The misses were UCF minus four and a half. A&M minus three. Texas minus four. And Florida State plus 14. Six and four on the bowl slate. 59 and 64. 47.9% winning percentage on the season. Chris, how do you feel like bowl season went for you, sir? Bowl season was, wasn't bad. I mean, when we make the picks, it would have been handy to know that Florida State was going to be without their offense and most of their defense. Their roster, without their roster. Yeah. Um, that that would have been, you know, good to know. But other than that, that that's, I mean, picking bowl games is – it's a risky adventure, right? And so six and four, I'm in, in the, I'm great with that overall season record. I was, I think I started hot and ended hot. It was just kind of the middle stretch. It all fell apart for me, and uh, you know it was kind of a weird season, but I think it was fun. You know, it was fun. You win some, you lose some, and uh, this year I lost some. It's okay. It's okay. I don't. It's not. It's not a bad year. We've had worse. Um, and there's always next year, always next year. Uh, Daniel and I both went seven and three during bowl season. Daniel hitting on the under 64 and a half in UCF, Georgia Tech, Kansas minus 12 and a half, West Virginia minus five and a half, Oklahoma State plus three, Kansas State minus three, under 62 and a half in OU, Arizona, and over 57 and a half in Iowa State, Memphis. The misses were Cal plus three, Texas minus four, and Troy minus seven and a half, seven and three. For bowl season, 65 and 58, a 52.84% winning percentage. Daniel, this is a good bowl season for you. Good bowl season? I mean, hey, good year overall. I, you know, I don't want to, well, I don't want to spoil anything, right? 
I lost to you by one game. Congratulations. Let me say it since I get the mic now. Nice win this year, Philip. Um, for the listeners, it all came down to Washington and Texas. And um, yeah, Philip came out on top for the year. So I tipped my cap and some beer will be headed your way. I did have a good bowl season. But man, a couple of those bowl games here for the Big 12. Um, what a great cap, right? There's no way Mac Brown's going to get dumped mayo on his head. So it's like no chance at all he comes even close to winning that. West Virginia gets the cover there. Um, I thought Gundy and, and the squad played a great game. I was fortunate. I was able to watch almost that entire game um, out of the bar and enjoy that. You know, they sort of cruised. You know, their, their plus three was sort of never in doubt. Um, under in that Arizona-Oklahoma, skin of the teeth. That looked great, but, right, we got up by the hook there at the end. And then over Memphis, uh, Iowa State, I had some real money there. That number just confused me all week, um, or excuse me, like a few weeks leading up to it. Uh, that game sailed over, not by as much as I thought, but, you know, what, what did that close at 56 and a half or something, 57? They ended in the 60s there. Um, fun season, man. And then to just to cap off, you know, again, listeners, it's like we're all forced to pick games that, you know, I, I – wouldn't bet 60 or 70% of them in real life. So it feels good to end the year uh, on a positive note, not only over 50%, but, you know, what'd you say? 52.8% probably uh, made enough, you know, if I'm betting that in real life, I made enough money to cover the beers uh, that I bought watching the games for the season. So, <laughs> so there it is. Yeah. Do you want me to speak on betting bowls yet? Or uh... Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I did win the, the season as a whole. Uh, 66 to 57 on the season, one game ahead of you. We I, I was one ahead of you before coming into bowl week or bowl season. Uh, we both went seven and three. I hit on Texas Tech minus three. The over 64 and a half in Kansas, UNLV. West Virginia minus five and a half. Oklahoma State plus three. Arizona minus three. Memphis plus eight and a half. I just had a feeling. And Washington plus four. The Washington one sealed it for me. My misses were UCF minus four and a half. <laughs> uh, NC State plus three. Uh, Kansas State had to had to get that cover. Hey, great good teams win, great teams cover. And uh, and Georgia Southern starting right off the gate. Uh, week week uh, day one of bowl season, and my my non Big Twelve was a miss. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, seven and three for bowl season. Sixty six and fifty seven for a fifty three point six five winning percentage on the season. Um, look, I I would say this for the Big Twelve as a whole. Um. If you look at current Big 12, it was a five and four bowl season. Not that bowl season matters. Like it does, but it doesn't. Like the way bowls go now with as many opt-outs and coaches moving on and, and teams aren't what they were in the season. Like you got to take all this with a grain of salt. But it still felt a little bit disappointing. Uh, it was six and four for current Big 12. I believe it was, it was five and four for current Big 12. I believe it was six and two. Six and three. No, no, no. Well, yeah, six and three for who will be in the Big 12 next year uh, because Utah lost. Um, Arizona got the win. You take the Oklahoma and Texas losses off the board. So good year for uh, for the teams that will be in the Big 12 next season. Unless, of course, you're UCF who really choked that one up. And Iowa State, Matt Camp. I, got, I, keep, I just forgot. No, I got it right. That's right. None of us picked Iowa State to win that game. We just have to remember Matt Campbell doesn't care about games outside of conference play. He doesn't. So just just remember that when you're making picks. Um, Daniel, we kind of teased it when we were picking bowls. 
of like how do you how do you handle bowl games but with with all of the turnover on rosters and coaching changes and just the who cares and who doesn't and like how how is it worth picking bowl games i'm curious what takeaways you have this year as we as as bowl games you know i love bowl games i think they're great they're fun um we could talk about ways to fix them but we know that they just don't carry the value as far as players decisions of whether or not to stay or go how do you feel like betting bowl games now what did you learn this year well anytime a better has an opportunity to bet on a contest, whatever sport it may be, you know, they view that as a good thing, right? It's a way for them to get their money out there and get it working. And when there are situations where, you know, I'll use the word inefficiencies in the market, but like in layman's terms, what do we mean when we say that? It's like anytime we're on the show and we say something, you know, like the Memphis Iowa State game, hey, that total just looks too low. It's sitting at 57. It feels like it should be 62, 63, 64. Or maybe it's like, I've literally done work to tell me this total should be 62, 63, 64. It's like, that's an inefficiency. You know, hey, you know, so-and-so is plus three at home. That line feels wrong. An inefficiency, right? Another opportunity to bet something you think might be wrong. So bowl games do present opportunities for people because books also have no clue. It's like, you know, what? What is what do you do when a team has its top two quarterbacks out? And there's a kid who's never taken a snap in his life. It's like, what's that worth to the spread? It's like, well, good luck. Nobody knows. So if you could do the work, find the inefficiency and make a bet, great. Now, with all that said, just about every single person I talk to, and some people are people that are laying, you know, high fours, five digits on some of these games. Um, you know, the feedback was this is miserable. You know, this is terrible. This is tons of homework chasing this crap down. And then it turns out to be wrong. Or you have stuff where, uh, what was it, UTSA, Roadrunners, it's like an hour before kick, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, our amazing quarterback isn't going to play today. And and you saw that line swing like, <laughs> it was like, what, six or seven points within an hour or two before kick. It's like just badness, right? Just the craziest crap that's happening in this game. So I'm rambling on here, but they're not the funnest thing to bet unless you have some really solid information and you can really beat the market. Now, with all that said, I wanted to look something up. If you faded the big moves for this bowl season, what does that mean? It means if, um, you know, some team was plus three and then it was announced, oh, everyone in the world's going to be out. And that team goes out to plus eight or plus nine before the game. If you took the team that got all those extra points and the line, uh, the line move was up to eight points. So if you're following me here, you're betting a team where the line moves sort of against them between zero and eight points. You actually went 17 and 10 against the spread. You, you actually crushed the bowl season if you just took the side that everybody was going against when news broke. So, you know, that sort of gives us the clue. Now, look, you know, 27 games, you can't make a huge, you know, it's not a big enough sample size to say definitively something's going on. But we could maybe argue like the market overreacts, right? When, when you know, hey, starting quarterback's going to be out. They have a backup go and this coach left. And you see these lines moving four, five, six, seven points. That might be too much. So um, I was fortunate a little bit. You know, I, I faded some big moves throughout the week just because it just, again, it felt too much. And um, had you just blindly bet them, you would have been profitable. I'm not telling you to go do that. It's just an interesting little anecdote there about how teams performed against the spread. So 
overall, I think you would agree a lot of the games weren't very good. I'll even go as far as say most of the games just weren't very good games. Um, it's fun as a better to have opportunities to bet. It's a nightmare trying to follow the news and to bet it. And at the end of the day, when we have an entire bowl series where I can make a general statement that a lot of players and a lot of coaches and a lot of fans and schools don't really care about the game. When the person who cares the most about the game is the advertiser, it's like, how good of a product are we really going to get? And I feel like college football is really getting itself out into a territory where bowl season is one where it's like, I don't know that anybody cares except for Pop-Tarts and Cheez-Its and buckets of mayo. And that's cool. That's fun. But, you know, as far as what kind of college football we get to watch, I don't know. And I do not know how to fix it. I'm not on this pod to tell anyone how to fix anything because I don't have a single clue. But So is that the play then? If you're going to bet bowl games, wait until the final line? Because early in the season we've talked about how you do a lot of when the lines come out, You that's when you make a lot of your plays um, and try to find – you know, think of value there between what your numbers say versus what Vegas is saying. But with the Bulls, I mean, like take the Oklahoma State A&M game, for example, right? You guys got uh, Oklahoma State at plus three and kickoff, they were minus four and a half. Right, right. I mean, so again, that comes back to if for the regular season, right? In, in, in a week three or a week four game and it's a conference game, I – I'm going to bet and do my work with the assumption that everybody cares, right? Both teams are plugged in. Uh, my work and sort of the metrics of how everyone is playing. I'm betting and making decisions under the assumption that coaches and players still care. I think that's a fair thing to say, right? You know, um, when mm-hmm. it comes to bowl, when it comes to bowl games, it's like, again, unless you have information before the market, I don't really know why you would get too involved with any numbers. Um, even if something goes your way, it's like, like, I don't know, man. It just does not seem like, it just doesn't seem like a wise investment if you're a better. That's all. It's like, I think just wait till the end, gather as much information as you possibly can about who's going to play and who's not going to play. And in some cases that means you're waiting till like, like literally they're out of the field warming up. And it's like, oh, by the way, the starting quarterback at the last second isn't playing. Okay, crap. Um, So, yeah, if if bowls are going to continue to be played like this and treated the way they are with uh, by the players, which I do not blame them at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But, you know, if if that's how players are going to approach these games, it's probably just better to wait and maybe just pick and choose spots where you think the market has really overreacted, you know, like. Team opened plus four, a couple guys are out, and it's like now they're plus nine or plus ten. And it's like that seems like a big move, especially if the other team they're playing is guys out too. Like, really? So because it seems wild when in the NFL there was this big, you know, hubbub and backlash in Vegas that a team didn't designate an injury correctly, you know, heading into the matchup, which affected the game and how they bet. But then you have the Bulls, which, I mean, it's just the Wild West. You know, Florida State, three-quarters of the team, you know, isn't there at kickoff. So it's uh, like, how do you balance the two? Like, how is it okay in, in over here, but 
just the this minus designation not correct correct you uh, know such a big deal in the same I mean, sport. I, you know it, it's easy you know it's easy to maybe draw parallels because it's both the game of football um i think we're really talking apples to oranges when we're talking about the nfl how it's presented how it's organized um and you know how injuries are monitored right i mean it, I know none of the details, but it's like, you know, we have a players union, we have um, uh, sort of a relationship with the media and, you know, integrity fees and stuff that the league's charged to put out correct information for better. So it's like you have these things in place where the NFL intends to give correct information about their games. And you said it, it's the wild West in college football, right? I mean, there is none of that. And, and, and we're probably getting into a gray area where I'm not, I, I can't speak to it at all. Like, like not only am I not an expert, it's like, I'm not versed in this at all to where like, you know, uh, what do colleges owe information wise and what do players owe information wise to the public, you know, to make the best decisions for things like fantasy football and betting on props and betting on games. It's like, you know, probably none. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's different now. The players are making money. I have no idea. But that's just that's an area that I sort of just can't speak to as far as like what responsibility schools have uh, versus, you know, the NFL. So so I'll hop in. Uh, the NFL does this and has is able to do it because it is collectively bargained for the right to do so with the Players Association because you are releasing medical information to some extent about a person. Right. Mm-hmm. For all the like, that's against HIPAA. That is actually against it. Like you have to agree to say like, it's okay. You can tell everybody that I broke my leg. Right. Or I tore my ACL. Um, college football doesn't have that. There's no, obviously there's no players association. There's no collective bargaining. Um, the NCAA uh, put out a press release back in 2019, basically saying that like they did not believe that putting out official injury reports would advance student athlete well-being or the integrity of competition. And so the NCAA is not going to do it. They're not requiring teams to do it. It really kind of comes down to either individual conferences if they want to do so, um, or if a coach wants to do so. So it would fall on the on the conferences to basically say, like, hey, we're going to do this. I think it would be wise of colleges to do it, especially in conference play and make all the college, all of their – there would be wise of a conference to come out and do it. Um, I think that the first one who does will force everyone else to do it, um, but they're not required to. And it would probably require some collective bargaining on the part of the conferences and, the, and, and discussions with players to be able to do it. So that's why. Hey, that's awesome. I, I had no yeah. idea. No, I, I appreciate all that. I'd like to pretend like I'm a, I'm, I just know all these things. I literally Googled it while you were talking. So. <laughs> oh, good. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I just, I store so much inside my big brain. Uh, <laughs> I, I kid. It doesn't matter what size my brain is. My three children take up most of it. So uh, this has been fun. It's been another very exciting season. I'm already thinking about what we're going to do next year. Obviously, we'll have 16 teams in the conference. That's uh, that's going to be a lot of games. Not in week one when there are only five Big 12 teams playing an FBS opponent. I'll talk about that all off season. Thank you so much for all of 11 of you scheduling an FCS team in week one. <laughs> Don't complain about college football. Don't complain about college football. Don't complain about college football. Just repeat the mantra. Um, but 
I think some changes will probably come. Uh, I think I'm considering a, f- a few different ways that we can continue to grow our picks show every Thursday. Uh, don't worry, unless they for some reason come to me and say, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, I fully expect Chris and Daniel to be back again next season as well so that we can keep this going. Four years now. Four years. Everyone's won one. I've won two. So now it's on to you guys to to level the level the field here. Uh, so... Love it. I look forward to uh, I look forward to the uh, the beverages showing up in the mail. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, or however they however they get. Here. I'm sorry. I meant uh, for you driving out here to deliver them to me by hand. <laughs> um, we wouldn't do anything that might be against the law. Uh, so this has been a lot of fun. It's been a great time, uh, Daniel. We're gonna. I, I'm. This is the year, Daniel. We're gonna talk <laughs> basketball picks. We're gonna have to do it. The only way to do it is if picks come out on Friday, so that we could talk about it ahead of Saturday games. But if that's what we got to do, that's what we're gonna do. So, uh, you guys have any closing thoughts on the season? I'll jump in. I did. Yeah. Oh, like I ahead, said, you, um, you know, this pod has made me a, a de facto Big Twelve fan. I always find myself every Saturday keep my eye on all the games, and uh, I think two of you do a great job, Philip. I think you do a uh, a great job uh, with the pod, the entire sort of family tree uh, of everything. So that's it, man. Keep up the great work. I love being a part of this show and I look forward to next year. Yeah. I mean, what, what Daniel said, and then next year looks really fun. You have all these new teams coming in teams. We're not, or I'm not super familiar with, you know, that there's going to be a learning curve there. Um, and, and still getting to know the, uh, the newest teams that, you know, just joined, it's there's so much there's gonna be so many games and so many matchups that we're just not super familiar with and how they it's like there's this we know that Kansas State's always going to play like Oklahoma tough we know you know that those kind of things those tend to always happen but we don't know how someone plays Arizona State or or Colorado or whatever and and no one knows what's going on Colorado next year and, and how they're going to uh, continue on under the Sanders era. So th- it'll be fun. There's going to be a lot of storylines and a lot of just, it'll be new. And <laughs> Daniel has experience just blind betting all over the country. So maybe next year is his year. It's always a pleasure, guys. Love doing this. Always look forward to it. Hate when it ends, but look, I'm already looking forward to next August. Already looking forward to talking about the upcoming season, the 16 team Big 12, doing some, some, Team totals, man. Uh, and Daniel, I'm not kidding. We're, we're going to do basketball. We're going to talk offline. We're going to figure this out. We'll stick it on Patreon or whatever. So uh, it's been a fun season. We'll have plenty of basketball, baseball, and softball coverage coming up the rest of this year. And we'll hear from Daniel again soon and Chris again in August. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Football season is over just in time to tip off conference play for Big 12 basketball. Women already started conference play this past weekend. This Saturday, the men begin Big 12 play. It's one of the most exciting times 
of the year. And so we had a little preview. We haven't had time to talk basketball. It's been football, 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 football. Luckily, we have a basketball show, the Midwest Madness Podcast. And we have today joining us one of the two hosts of our incredible basketball show. He is the great mind, Ben Hazel. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I say this is the best time of year. I know the football fans. It was a great, great, you know, final four games, but this is the best time of year when this this Big 12 gets kicked off. When you have the best men's basketball conference in the country, when conference play begins, that becomes, frankly, the epicenter of college basketball because, like, look, there's so many good games every weekend. You're going to have great – you might have one Saturday or one, like, each season where you're like – all the best teams are matched up with all the bad teams. You're still going to get a good game or two because even the bad teams, there's maybe like two of them. So like top versus bottom, it, it's just, it's going to be incredible basketball all season long as it always is. Uh, we are thrilled to have you joining us today, Ben, at partially because we're thrilled to have you as part of the 1012 Network, co-hosting the Midwest Madness podcast, joining us this season, Sam taking over, having you come and help him out. You have experience in the Big 12 for people who don't know. You used to be a graduate assistant at UCF. Tell us a little bit about your time uh, on the staff at UCF. Well, took the opportunity while I was pursuing my my MBA degree at UCF. Um, have a great relationship and a longstanding relationship with Coach Dawkins. Uh, so pretty much followed him. Uh, one of his assistant coaches also coached me when I was coming up um, through middle high school and even through college. Uh, Kelvin Johnson and his son, Darius Johnson, who I've known since he was born, was also on the team. So just decided to join the staff while while getting that degree. And, and really, it was just a great experience all around. Um, had the luxury of working with some extremely talented guys like Taylor Hendricks, um, who was drafted last year. So I have nothing but good things to say, you know, can't stay away. So that's why I'm here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you with us. Of course, if any of you listen to Sons of UCF, you've probably heard Ben before. So technically, I guess you were kind of part of the network, but now you're officially part of it, and I'm thrilled to have you. So let's do a little Big 12 conference play preview. Let's talk about kind of where we think things are going. Let's just start off the top with the question everyone always has is who's going to win the Big 12? There are a ton of contenders in my mind at this point. I say a ton. There are a few. There's a handful, at least. I mean, you look at undefeated Houston right now. You've still got BYU, Kansas, Oklahoma, all with one loss. Baylor, Cincinnati, Iowa State, TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech all only have two losses coming out of non-conference play. You have Kansas State with three, and then UCF, OSU, and West Virginia. We might talk about them (laughs) down the road. But, I mean, if you look just off non-conference records, there's a the Big Twelve is looking very good. You've got was it five teams currently ranked uh, by the AP, if I recall correctly. I should have had that pulled up, but I have like yeah, actually, other I, tabs. I think it's six right now. Is it six? Oh my god. Yep. Yep. I think it's six. So I have like three Big Twelve tabs of Ken Palm. I've got CBB <laughs> Analytics over here pulled up, which we appreciate them uh, allowing us to use their fantastic data here on the podcast. Uh, look, the Big 12 is loaded as always. It's no surprise. So let's start with the the question of we've got all these different teams. We're going to talk. I, I want to know, Ben, from you. Tournament's one thing. And I, and the tournament is the championship that, that really matters. But from a regular season standpoint, like who are the true contenders in the Big 12 out of this, I mean, just huge collection of quality teams? Yeah, so, I mean... It's kind of annoying considering, you know, with the national implications that the Big 12 has, you kind of have to follow what the tradition has said, which is Kansas. Bill Self's got himself some guys over there. They, they're they definitely a, a favorite. I mean, that's no surprise there. 
Um, of course, Houston. But I think Baylor has a chance. I, I like what they bring offensively, uh, just the way they're able to score off the dribble and them just being guard dominant. Uh, having a guard dominant team, as we know, always really helps in March. So I, I think they will be a team that is a team to watch out for, for potentially, you know, stealing the chip from uh, the Jayhawks. I mean, looking at CBB analytics, and I love this site. I love that we have this, like <laughs> from an offensive, from a, from a net rating, Kansas isn't even number one in the big 12. They have a, they're at a, a plus 19, which is a 90th overall rating, 90 percentile rating country. Houston's at hundred percent. BYU's at hundred percent. And Iowa State's at the top 100%. Uh, Houston's at plus 41. BYU's at plus 41. Iowa State's at plus 38. Like, I I, I get it with Kansas. You, you have Bill Self. You have the talent. You have this knowledge and ability to go out there and win it because they just find a way. They're going to go at some point in the middle of the season and drop two games in a row, and everyone's going to go, oh, is this the year that it doesn't? And then Kansas will just run off for like eight straight wins, and they'll win the Big 12 again because that's what always happens. So when they lose two games, all of you – don't lose your minds. It's what happens every year. Oh, they've had three game losing streaks in the middle of the season to like bad teams. Like they lost at TCU on the road when TCU like couldn't beat anybody else in conference play. And then they still went off one of the big twelve. So just <laughs> understand that. Like Kansas, obviously, I think you're right on, on Baylor. Again, this is a program that has has won a national championship, been a final force. Like they they know how to do this. I do like the roster there. I have to ask about Houston and BYU. Mm-hmm. And two teams that have come into the Big 12 this season. Houston, we know how good they are. We've seen how good they have been the last few years. Obviously, joining the Big 12, like I think for Houston fans, it's going to be tough because you're going to take more losses than you normally do. And that doesn't, like, they could play as well as they have the last two years and still have more losses because that's what happens when you play in the Big 12. There are no nights off. There's no, the bottom of the Big 12 is still far <laughs> superior to the bottom of the AAC. It isn't even close, y'all. It's not even close. But for Houston, like, do you think that they have a shot in the first year? Or is this just going to be like, it's such a massive leap going from the AAC to the Big 12 that it's just going to take them a year to get adjusted to, to playing the schedule? They have a shot. <laughs> they have a shot. They they definitely have a shot. I mean, so the one thing that I noticed with kind of all the teams, one, you have to protect home court if you're trying to survive in this conference. And that's what they do better than any team in the country, similar to a Kansas. Uh, another thing is, is that you really see teams uh, specialize and become very good at what they're good at or what they try to hang their hat on. So Houston, they specialize and hang their hat on playing hard and rebounding. So I, there's not much change as far as they have to change a lot X's and O's wise. They're like X's and O's, the environment, that is all things that we, you know, we don't really care too much about. One thing we know we're going to do is play defense and rebound the ball. So I think that's why they'll always be in contention. I mean, with leading the country in opponents points per game right now, I think that'll allow them to be in every game. And then with having a solid point guard like Jamal Shedd, that's always something that lends to you winning close games which is pretty much what they've done for all these years. It's not like they run around and outscore teams and put up a hundred on you. They win games where they have the other team score 35 points. That's just what they do. Yeah. Uh, the CBB analytics, their defensive rating is 77.5. It's the best in the big 12. The next closest is Iowa state at 84.4. I mean, it's in, incredible. They're holding teams in, it's from a Big 12 standpoint, just a Big 12 ranking. They're number one in opponent effective field goal percentage at 40.3%. Um, 
They're number one at turnover percentage, twenty almost twenty five percent. Like it's Houston, especially defensively, in a conference where defense is your lifeblood. Everyone prides themselves on playing really good defense. Do you think Houston has the best defense in the Big Twelve heading into conference play? I do. I do. Because the only way you can have a defense that's really good is if your team is bought in. And that's something that Rob Sampson has never had an issue with at any point in time in his career. I mean, I've seen clips of their practices where they're legitimately tackling each other into the wall. Like that is the drill. So they're conditioned for it and they do it as a team. It's not one person that just plays great D. They are are a really connected unit on that defensive end, which is an issue for every team. I mean, you see it show up in the NCAA tournament as well, which is why I don't think they'll have an issue in conference. It is interesting to look at the teams based off the analytics that have a, a not, let's just go with like 95 or higher percent rating on offense and a 95 or higher percent rating on defense. Now, obviously opponent does influence some of the stuff because non-conference is, is so hard to, to judge to some extent because everyone's playing different schedules, but you look at Houston, like we talked about offensive rating of 94. So that's just below about hundred uh, defensive rating of 100. Uh, uh, BYU. They have 100 in offense, 99 in defense. We're going to talk about BYU in a minute. I know we are. Iowa State, an offensive rating of 98, a defensive rating of 99. Like, let me ask about Iowa State because, again, it's another team. They're 11 and 2. The ratings show that this is a really good team. They are green across the board offensive and defense. That's the kind of thing that you want to see. Is this Iowa State team a contender as well? Or are those two losses, two losses that concern you? They're not two losses that concern me, but I'm not bought in. I don't think they figured themselves out enough to know what they are, right? Like an old Tom Izzo quote is, you can only be good at three things. Can't be a fast-paced team, a slow-down team, a, a pick-it-up, press-you defense with the pack, pack-line defense. You know, you always you have to pick something to hang your hat on, and I don't think they figured that out just yet. But as you know, the conference starts on Saturday, so we'll find out very, very quickly whether they are a contender or a pretender. Um, so, cause I'm really interested to see how they'll fare against Oklahoma this coming weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to this weekend's matchups. There's, there's some doozies. All right. So let's move on to the next question. Who's going dancing this year? I, I, last year, 10 team, big 12. We, we, at one point in the season, we're close to sending like nine teams out of the 10. Uh, I believe the best percentage, the big 10 sent like, um, 70 something percent one time. Like you look at this big 12. And, and and I think there are three teams or two teams right now. I would say, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, and I think I can make a case for three of them. Who, who are those two? UCF, OSU, and West Virginia. I'm just right now. I'm going to go ahead and say, not going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, I feel I, and and if that upsets anybody, I, I apologize. I know you're you're close with UCF, and I'm sure sons of UCF will listen to this and UCF fans will. I'm just going to tell them like, it's not going to happen this year. You got a little work to do. But out of 14 teams, that still leaves 11. Do you think the Big 12 could send 11 teams to the tournament this year? If not, and I think a lot will, who do you see not getting an invite? So that's tough. Um, oh, I don't think Texas Tech will make it. Okay. So that's one you can you can chop that off. Um, you already said West Virginia. Oh, Cincinnati. I don't think they're going to make it. Um, so what that puts us at nine, I think nine will be the cutoff. Okay. So what is it what is it about Cincinnati that you that you just you're not big on? I think they're solid, 
but they're just finding themselves as well. They've had guys sit out for really long periods of time. This is their first jump. This is a team that I think might be more affected by the jump to the new conference than a Houston or a BYU. I mean, they've been solid in the past, but they have some bigs, they have some pieces, but they haven't been together long enough, even throughout this literal season for them to start hot enough. And one thing I know with college basketball, it is very hard to break out of a rut. If you're if you take a few consecutive L's, which is what you would talk about, the effect of being in the Big 12, it's almost inevitable. Um, it can go south quickly. Um, so Cincinnati is a team that I don't think will will have enough at the end uh, to, to make the tournament. Going through their schedule at this point, I'm not sure they have a win to hang their hat on. Um, yeah. The losses to Xavier and Dayton, those are by far the two best teams they've played this year. I I I get it. Like I don't I don't think there's a win where you go, they won this game, and because they were able to win this game, I feel confident that they could could do something. Plus, I mean, they literally played one game yeah. on yeah. the road outside of Cincinnati, outside of the city of Cincinnati in non-conference. It was at Howard and they needed overtime. And I watched that and I watched that game and like they we're missing a seven footer and Jamil Reynolds during that game, but you know, Howard gave them a lot of trouble inside, especially uh, it just, they're again, a team that doesn't know what they're hanging their hat on right now. And the pieces that they've been adding are integral pieces and great pieces to have, but they just, you know, got waivers late in the season. The other team you mentioned, you don't think makes it is Texas tech. Correct. Uh, look, it's, it's year one for Grant McCaslin. Um, yeah. There's obviously going to be some learning curve there. But what is it about Texas Tech that you just don't trust right now? Texas Tech all, all offensively, I just don't trust. It's They're piecemealing it together right now. Um, but I don't really know, similar to what you would say even about a UCF, uh, even a Houston offensively, but they're a little bit more polished. But I don't really know where they go when they start seeing some of these different looks that the Big 12 will send their way. Um, cause a lot of these teams, you know, they take advantage on the defensive end in various ways, which I don't know if they'll be able to adjust in all the different ways teams are going to guard them. Yeah. Another situation where I'm looking for the marquee win for Texas tech. And like, I think in our minds, Michigan was supposed to be good this year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, that, it's, it's not a when bad you win. see them on the schedule, you would definitely look at it, whether you know whether they're good or not. You would say, hey, I'm excited. We have Michigan. Yeah. Uh, 67th in Ken Palm, but a six and seven record. Uh, probably not going to or 59 in Ken Palm. Forgive me. Michigan is 59 in Ken Palm, but six and seven record. Probably not uh, what you want to see. Oof, Michigan's non-conference strength of schedule is 28. Oh, my. Ooh. Okay. Uh, probably not great going into a Big Ten that's typically overrated, but still uh, a good conference. Okay, so that leaves nine teams. We've got a lot of teams with good records in the Big 12 right now, as, as we listed. I mean, everyone's got double-digit wins except for UCF, OSU, and West Virginia. West Virginia is the only team with a losing record at 5-8. and eight. It's a lot of good records. You mentioned we've got six teams that are ranked right now. But that is Houston, BYU, Kansas, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas there's been a lot of talk about BYU and whether or not their record is a bit of fool's gold, right? Um, it's early Ken Palm. Ken Palm can make some big adjustments, but right now BYU is number three in Ken Palm. As you mentioned, CBB Analytics, they have a, a 100 in offensive rating and a 99 in defensive rating. You can make a case that the best team they've played 
There's a road game at Utah, and they lost that. And there's not another true, like, really high-ranked team for them to have said, hey, we've got this win. The cases, the, the, the argument is out there, so I'm curious from your opinion. Is BYU for real, or is 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 it just a really nice record belt off not beating much of anybody? They're for real. I'm a believer. I think the the Cougars got what it takes to to really compete in this conference, especially with how they go about it. Uh, they share the ball and they make shots. They make a ton of threes. So like at home, I know they're going to really be contenders and be able to contend home court. And I think that'll allow them to steal enough games. And that's what you have to do in the Big 12. Win a few road games and protect home court and you'll be fine. And I, I think that's exactly what they'll do. That trip to, to Utah is going to be hard for every single team that comes and I think they'll be able to exploit that. Yeah, look, the Utah, like it was a close loss on the road at a true rival, four-point game. Um, they've, they've got, I'm looking for marquee wins. NC State's a, a solid win. Uh, Arizona State's not great this year. Uh, but, uh, here's the deal. We talk about who's got good wins. The Big 12 doesn't, the, the non-conference schedules aren't um, aren't something to, to hang your head on. Like we can look at Ken Palm. Kansas has the best one by far with a rating of 59. Uh, then you have to go all the way to West Virginia before you get another one that's even decent at 85. Everyone else is like 100 or lower. Kansas State's at 146. Um, OSU sub 300. UCF sub 300. Cincinnati's 284. Texas Tech's 267. Sub 300 for TCU. Sub 300 for Texas. Shocker. Uh, sub 300 for Oklahoma, Iowa State sub 300, Baylor is 161, and then BYU is 301, Houston's 211. So like, there's not, there's not a lot of schedules you look at and go, aha, oh, that's great. <laughs> so it's hard to use that as a as a judgment. You buy into BYU. The yeah. other team I've kind of seen people question the record and whether or not they're actually as good as they seem is another ranked team in Texas. I'm curious, Ben. Do you buy Texas? See, the thing that really influences, like you said, with the non-conference schedule for most of these teams not being the thickest or the toughest across the board is really just style of play and really looking at what these teams are growing into and what they hang their hat on. Texas, I look at as a utter fraud. Okay, so they're ranked. Um, They do have some talent. But their style of play, especially offensively, you see a lot of ISO basketball relying a lot on Max Abrams. And I just don't see that translating. I mean, when you look at the other teams and their styles of play, I don't think Texas and what they do and what they do well will be enough for them to win in the conference. I mean, I think they'll just be too much of a challenge. I don't think what they do naturally lends to them competing against some of the top teams in this conference. You, you look at them and you go, well, they, you know, they, 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 they who they beat? Uh, they beat Louisville. Yeah, well, Louisville's bad. You, you Louisville's lost horrible. to UConn. Louisville's horrible. Their, their, their <laughs> head coach still employed. You got blown out at Marquette. The LSU doesn't look as good as it once did. And no. I know they've kind of blown some teams out, but they've been in games that are a little bit closer early on than you would expect. Like, I, and I think they've blown out some really bad teams. Seventy-two to thirty-seven win over UNC Greensboro. Like, okay. I just I am I'm very interested in Texas because everyone's like I've seen a lot of people say I I don't believe in them I don't think they're for real. 
it's a team I'm, I'm keeping a close on. Look, I'm going to keep a close on everybody. I, I got to have a reason to keep a close on everybody <laughs> this season. It's the Big 12. It's fun. But like, I'm really interested in what BYU is doing. I'm really interested in, in this idea that Texas is a bit of a fraud. Is there anybody else whose record at this point you don't buy? No, Texas is the front runner. They're the one that I, I look at and like, I think people were giving them way more respect than they necessarily earned coming into this season. I mean, they were preseason, right? So this is kind of a ranking that they're holding on to. Um, but I don't know if it'll stay that way throughout the conference. Everybody else is kind of where I expected them to be uh, and kind of look the way that you would expect. I mean, a lot of teams are getting better, especially as conferences coming around with all the transfers and things like that. So, you know, the the luxury is with this conference, there is no ducking or hiding. We are going to find out who is for real and who is a poser. The other team I want to ask you about is one whose fan base has seemed a little bit anxious. Despite 10 wins, Kansas State fans seem a little bit nervous about the Wildcats this year, which is fair. I mean, they've played how many, two overtime games? I thought it was like four. Like the way they talk about the overtime games played for Kansas State is that there's been like four overtime games in a row. Um, they've played a lot of close games. Some that they would like to be closer, probably that were closer than they thought. They've got the three losses. But you've got to win over Villanova. You've got to win over Providence. Like, I, I, I'm i curious how you feel about Kansas State at this point. And should Kansas State fans be as nervous as it feels like they are? Or should we be drinking the, the tang? They should be drinking the tang. I mean, Kansas State fans, I mean, no offense, are sounding like Kansas fans right now. <laughs> like, what do you expect? You expected them to go undefeated and, and beat everybody and just take new transfers and turn them all into pros in one month? Like they're good. They have talent. They've shown flashes, had a few lulls, which is to be expected with a new group. And they're right where they should be, I think, going into conference play. They will be a tough out. And I think they will end up making the tournament and be able to do what they did, have the opportunity at least to do what they did last year, you know, go to the dance, be in the mix. They'll be that this year. So if I'm a Kansas State fan, I would be extremely excited and, you know, think we got some pieces to contend. Providence is a good win. I don't care if it was an overtime. Uh, Villanova. I don't care if it was an overtime. It was a good win. Like you, win. They, Kansas State has some good wins to hang on their head. And yeah, look, when you're going to have that much turnover on a roster, like there's going to be some some gelling time, and they've had plenty of of opportunities to do so. Um, now they're going to start off with what I think is a frankly a, a little bit of a lighter slate to start conference play as well. You get UCF at home. You go to West Virginia before you have to go to Texas Tech, and then you get you get Baylor and then OSU. Like it is a I, I, as as friendly as it can be, start the yeah. conference play for yeah. Kansas State. And so, look, yeah, if you're sitting here after the first five and you're two and three against UCF, West Virginia, Texas Tech, o, OSU, and Baylor, like, okay, I, I can understand some concern. But as long as you come out of that with a winning record, yeah, there's plenty of reason for Kansas State fans to feel confident that they should be back in the dance this uh, this March. Everything right now supports a good year for them. <laughs> so. You know, if I'm a Kansas fan, Kansas State fan, I'm excited. Like, we're in a good spot. All right. I didn't ask you this pre-show, so I'm going to throw this at you now. There's a lot, right. number of teams we haven't talked about. Mm -hmm. If there's a a dark horse darling, whether it's in the Big 12 or, more importantly, we get teams who make runs in the postseason all the time that were four seed, five seed, six seed. Is there a team in the Big 12 right now 
who you think hasn't reached their peak yet and is going to, and is going to maybe surprise us? Ah, that's a tough one. I mean, the first team that comes to my head is, is really who's been surprising me all season, Oklahoma. They're a team that I look at like they're, they don't do anything crazy good, but they don't do anything bad. They're a really tight unit. They play good defense and they compete. They're really solid. They don't deviate from the plan. Like even when the game that they lost, you could really tell that they're still sticking to their game plan, offense and defensively. So to me, that's a team that I look at like that's might have the potential to to make a deeper run than anybody expected. I mean, even coming into this season, people were expecting them to be in the bottom half of the Big 12. They've already shown that that's not going to be the case. So I, I would say that's a team that has even more upside to go than what we've even seen. Yeah, they're interesting. Their 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 non conference schedule didn't come out from a rating standpoint as high as we thought. I was disappointed. USC is mm-hmm. disappointed a bit. Um, Providence is a good win. Arkansas hasn't been as good, and obviously the loss to North Carolina. North Carolina is really good. They played them in Charlotte, and yeah. and I know it didn't go well, but that's a tough team to play in that situation. And so, I do think Oklahoma is an interesting team this year. Look, you go by CBB Analytics, uh, they're ninety four rating on offense and a 98 rating on defense. Like, it's a balanced, talented team across the board. If you want to point at a weakness, it's it's offensive or turnover. They're at 16.2%. Like, they turn the ball over too much, which is going to cost you some games that they need to be a little bit better about uh, free throw attempts and getting to the, to the line. But, like, that'll cost you a couple games, but... Like as long as you have games where you don't turn the ball over too much, like you're you're gonna you're gonna win a lot of games in the conference and in, in postseason. Yeah, that's my dark horse. That that is definitely my dark horse. Um, of course, they got a lot, lot more proven to do, but they're they're definitely going to be in the mix. I think they're in a better situation than Texas. I'm man. I you are. I, I don't know how many people now. I, I I think I can count takes two hands at least the number of people who've been like, nah, Texas is a fraud. Nah, Texas <laughs> is a fraud. Texas is a fraud. And I'm just I'm. They're they're eleven and two and they're ranked like there's other eleven and two teams who aren't ranked. I'm just really interested if it's just because they have the preseason expectations or they're yeah. still yeah. in the rankings. But like, it is interesting. I, I, it's it is so hard to win in the Big Twelve, and everyone can't win. So yeah. somebody who had a nice non-conference, at least yeah. one, if not a couple, someone who had a really nice non-conference and fan base got excited because they started eleven and two. Because there's six teams who are eleven two, is going to end up at the end of the season looking there going like, how did we, how did, how did we not make the dance? We were eleven two in non-conference. What happened? How did this occur? I don't understand. I mean, the luxury of our conference is you could be about two games above five hundred in the conference, and you're a lock for the tournament. If you go five hundred in the Big Twelve, <laughs> I think oh, I did the math last year, uh, and I, it, if you go essentially, if you go five hundred Big Twelve play, you're going to go dancing. Like yep. unless your non-conference slate was just bad. Uh, unless you you had a bad non-conference and then had a losing record or lost like four or five games like if you go 500 in the big 12 you're probably going dancing there is a better than good chance that you're going to be in the postseason unless your non-conference was just bad and all i hear is win at home (laughs) you gotta win at home (laughs) basically that's all you gotta do there's so many opportunities for good wins there's so many opportunities for quad one i think was it like like by the end of the year like there were only like Three options for non-quad one wins, and it was whoever finished last place on the road, and then like three teams if you faced them at home were non-quad one. 
there was no such thing as a quad three w- a game in Big Twelve conference play. Well, and even like, even to put it in perspective, like with the Knights, right? Like the UCF Knights coming from the American Conference, they legitimately more than doubled their quad one games simply by moving to the conference. <laughs> but like, oh. <laughs> you can't make it up. <laughs> that's that's. The- have fun, UCF. This is what you wanted. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, also not in a good spot. Uh, I'll wrap on this. Uh, OSU 7-5, and five, they they just don't look very good. Another rough start to the season. I really like Mike Boynton. Um, but it feels like if we were going to have a hot seat talk, that's, that's the seat that's hottest in the Big 12 this year. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think he's a great person. Um, every time he speaks, I I, I enjoy it. Um, but it, I, it feels like OSU fans, most of the fan base has kind of just lost interest. It's a team that I mean, you're seven and five, you've got losses that you just you can't happen at this point in your head coaching tenure. And I understand everything that happened with the FBI. That's two years ago. Like I understand he gets players to come to Stillwater, but like it, it would take a massive turnaround in conference play. And I mean a massive turnaround in conference play for them to have a chance at the postseason. And yeah. I just I just don't I don't see how I don't see what he can do in conference play outside of winning the Big Twelve and going to the to the dance of of getting another year unless they're just kinda like, nah, it's cool, we're we we're still working through stuff. I just I, I hate it for him, but I there just seems a certain amount of inevitability in this season for my point. A hundred percent. The only the only saving grace about being in this Big Twelve is, you know, you you see it a lot in football with Ohio State, Michigan, as an example. As a head coach, you can do a lot, but just better not lose that game. Kansas is that for pretty much every team in our conference. Beat Kansas, you have a case. You can make a case with your administration, like, hey, we we have something. So, you know, that's a game that, I mean, it'll be a long shot. I know a lot of teams are gunning for that, but, you know, beat a Kansas, beat a Houston, one of those two, you could you could make a case like I got some pieces. I mean, he's also got a, a winning record against OU. It wouldn't be a bad thing to, to continue to build on that in their last season in the Big 12. I just, I think it's going to take, I think it's going to take a lot. And I think it's going to take fan buy-in and yeah. um, that's going to take a lot of wins. That's yeah, yeah. It's tough over there. I mean, they do have a a pretty strong history. I mean, they've seen some success in the past, so you know it's it's going to be uphill sledding. That's for sure. It's not going to be an easy start to this conference play either. You get Baylor at Texas Tech at Iowa State, which is always a hard place to win. Home for Kansas at Kansas State TCU. I mean, it's it's January twenty seventh before you play one of the teams at the bottom of the conference in West Virginia at home. Like. it could it could be a rough year in, in Stillwater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wish nothing but the best, but hey, this is just welcome to the party. Somebody's gotta go through it, right? Yeah. Someone <laughs> someone has to finish in last place. I still think it's West Virginia, but we'll we'll certainly see what happens. Ben, appreciate your time, man. This was fantastic. Do me a favor. Uh, where can everybody uh listen to you, find the work you do talking about and covering college basketball in the Big Twelve? Well, right now, um, you already talked about it. Um, the Sun's UCF podcast, frequent guest on there, um, frequent or also host um, the Midwest Madness. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, bhays12. Um, that's really the only place I'm active these days, but uh, still doing some player development stuff. So uh, check it out. 
Absolutely, Ben. Appreciate it. Everybody go check out the Midwest Madness podcast. Ben and Sam are killing it over there. They're doing a great job covering the Big 12. Uh, Looking forward to all the coverage there and having you back on again later this season, man. Thanks for having me. Podcast Network.